0: Hi, everyone. Uh, This is a weird note from um, Evie in the future, um, popping back into this episode after I finished putting it together, Um, just to let you guys know that there's some weird editing shit in this episode, and I really, really tried my best to fix it, but also... I'm a total amateur <laughs> I can't. <laughs> oh, I'm really sorry. I feel like normally I'm very good at just like getting out what I want to say. Um, But this week, for some reason, potentially I was fangirling too hard. I don't know. Things just got off track. And so I had to cut some stuff and try and sort out some of the crap. And this this is what happened. This is the episode that you've got. It's not the one you deserve. But it's the one you've got. Isn't that great? <laughs> All right, so I'm going to go. I'm going to leave you guys to this episode. And I'm a bit sorry if it's a bit weird, but I hope that it's listenable. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> All right. Thank you. Bye. So, the K drama that I'm going to be chatting about this week is called. Imitation. So, Imitation is a short drama. It came out in mid 2021. Uh, It's 12 episodes. Each episode is full length, so like a full hour. But for some fucking reason, that was really upsetting to me. (laughs) Um, I only got one episode a week while this was airing, um, which is very unusual for a K drama, I feel. I'm much more used to the two episodes a week format, uh, which I have grown so used to, in fact, that this this one episode a week thing really sent me into a rage. It didn't really. I wasn't angry about it. (laughs) But I actually was kind of obsessed with this drama. So I did find the one episode a week thing pretty bloody hard, (laughs) if I'm honest. Um, So this one is based, I think, on a webcomic from my understanding. Uh, Oh, yes, it is. So definitely it is um, by a author called Park Kyung-run. It's So this is kind of like a K-pop drama, I suppose. It's definitely a music drama. A lot of the cast is filled with idols um, and also some just straight-up actors. Um, Okay, so overall feelings... It's kind of complicated because for the first half of this show, I was hooked in such a crazy addicted way. Like, I just didn't want to think about or talk about anything except this drama while this was on for the first half. I feel like it was probably the first three quarters or something. Like, I was just completely addicted. I loved everything about this show. Um, But I do feel for myself anyway, I don't know if anyone else has already watched it, um, you probably have completely different sort of feelings around it. But for me personally, I felt like... I felt like the way, just that obsession that I had with it, that just, I just wanted to watch the whole thing at once. I feel like that sort of started petering out towards the end. And I don't feel like I was particularly like excited or blown away by how the drama ended. But in saying that, even though I do feel like there, I don't know, for me, there was missteps towards the end, or frankly, like maybe just focusing on things that I was less interested in, in the story. Um, But in saying that, I feel like I loved it. Like when I loved it, I loved it so much that this drama has left, I feel like, a really deep impression on me in the way that I feel about it. So even now, in hindsight, looking at it as an overall story that, for me personally, kind of petered out at the end, and I was just like, eh, about, you know, the last couple episodes, I still feel so warmly towards it. And I still, I think, hold a lot of love towards it because I it really surprised me, I suppose, you know. This is a K-drama that I didn't know, Anybody that was in it. Um, I wasn't really sure, you know, like I guess when I'm thinking about it, I haven't really watched a lot of K-pop dramas. And when I think about it, is there a lot of K pop dramas? And also, why is there not a lot of K pop dramas? Like dramas fully about K pop, and I don't just mean like I mean, I guess this one does definitely cover like, you know, it's a dream to be a K-pop idol. And I feel like that's something I've seen in dramas a lot, like a character that's a trainee or trying to kind of get into an agency or in an agency. But I don't know... I don't know that I've seen that many that fully, fully focus on it. Kind of interestingly, uh, in 2021, as I record this, I also saw um, So I Married an Anti-Fan, which is all about, you know, a K-pop star as well. Um, Even though that drama has a very different feel to this one, I feel like So I Married the Anti-Fan is very fluffy and light um and kind of silly but really fun and nice um but does kind of touch on some of the darker issues but with a very light touch well i feel like imitation for me i found it very fascinating like look i know k dramas aren't real life i know that the stuff that k dramas portray is like it's dramatized it's a drama but still i found this kind of for me what felt like a bit of a sneak peek at the k-pop industry and maybe some of the underbelly stuff that i guess i do know really does go on um just from you know reading articles and stuff like that so um it was a lot of stuff that i hadn't really thought about before and i found this drama really really fascinating when it was for me at its peak Um, okay so i feel like the kind of the overall vibes of the drama is it's very romance focused um for a lot of the show anyway Um, So lots of nice romantic kind of, you know, hijinky kind of stuff. And a lot of, for me, kind of like a slow build tension for a lot of the show, which I really loved the romance in this. Um, It is a music drama. So there's a lot of dancing and singing and jumping around and cool stuff like that, which I I got a real kick out of. I thought that stuff was very fun. Um, And it's a bit I don't know, I found it a little bit deep and dark and emotional as well with some of the the kind of themes and ideas it was exploring. And of course, it's about young people and it's about following your dreams and it's that kind of youth drama. Um, so why did I pick it up? Why did I want to watch it? I really don't know. Um, I didn't previously before I before I picked up Imitation, I didn't know any of the actors or actresses in it. No one was anyone that I'd seen anywhere before. So it wasn't like, you know, when you're following around someone through K-Drama land and watching any old thing that they're in. Um, So everyone was very fresh and new to me. And I think it was more, I guess, just the overall concept of the story itself. I feel like I'm a real sucker for music dramas. Um, I've always loved music movies and like dance movies and all that kind of stuff. I find that stuff super fun. And I also, I guess I am a a little bit attracted to that whole, you know, youth and dreams and all those kind of storylines as well. I find that kind of coming of age stuff really fun and interesting. So I think that's kind of what attracted me to this one because, and probably because like my first ever drama was Dream High, which is a big kind of very old and clunky, but, you know, music extravaganza. Um, So it was kind of interesting to see, like maybe sort of what a modern version of that would be. And I have to say, whoa, imitation is so much slicker. (laughs) Like the dancing is insane. And, you know, it's proper K-pop stuff. So it's like these big, you know, big production kind of songs and all very slick and um, very cool to watch. Actually, I really enjoyed it. Um so casting wise, um, so I'll talk a little bit about the casting in this one. Uh the lead actor who plays the main male lead is so that character's name is Quan Rock Um, and he is played by an actor, an actor slash K-pop dude called Lee Yong. Um and I've said this on the on the podcast before, um, so if you are a regular listener, you'll know that I don't actually know a lot about K-pop. I've been watching K-dramas for 10 years and I am Obsessed to the max, but that has, that has never quite, for me, moved over to K pop. I do know a little bit about K pop because I think if you follow K dramas, you just kind of do, you find out a lot of stuff. Um, but all the faces in this were very unfamiliar to me. Although I know, I uh, you know, I have a lot of listeners who really, really love K-pop, so maybe that's very different for you guys. If these are you know beloved idols from certain bands that you're into, so it's been very interesting for me to actually look through this cast list and be like, oh, like everybody is, well, practically everybody is an idol from, you know, some, I I think, kind of big bands too. So anyway, um, (laughs) I was talking about the casting. So Lee Joon Young, this was my first time seeing him. Uh, So he's an actor. He's been in heaps of stuff, I'm finding out, which is very, very interesting and also great because I fucking love him. <laughs> oh my gosh, he is so fucking good in this. Um, so Lee Jun is he has heaps and heaps of stuff. Um, I am currently, I admit it, following him around K drama land. So unfortunately for you guys, or fortunately if you loved him, you know I'm gonna have lots of future episodes I think about his other projects. But he is also a K-pop idol from I think a very very famous band called You Kiss. Um, and he's... I loved him in this. Like, I feel like I'm slightly obsessed. But I also feel like this character, a very, you know, it's a very tropey kind of stuff going on with him that I feel like very much suits my taste. Like, And this is one of those things that I have begun to slowly realize around myself and my, like, romantic male lead taste um, from many, many years of watching K-dramas is that I love this kind of... <laughs> uh, I don't know, like kind of taciturn, sort of stoic, quiet, non-smiling, kind of cranky, pretty sort of thing. (laughs) Why? Why? I don't know. It feels very embarrassing to admit that. But that's just like, it's a male lead trope that I think gets me every time. And like the main character in this, Quan Rock, is like this dude who fucking never, ever smiles. He looks so like cranky all the time, but he's also insanely good looking. So he looks very, very pretty as well. Hence the term uh, cranky pretty, which I think suits him to a T. Um, And I think it's just one of the joys for me personally, and probably one of the reasons I was so hooked to this, was the absolute joy of watching this character you know, kind of turn from this dude who never smiles unless he's, you know, schmoozing his fans or whatever. But even then, it's not very like enthusiastic <laughs> um, into someone who's falling in love and like thawing and you just seeing it all on his face. Like so by the time he smiles or laughs a little bit in this drama, you feel like you got punched in the face. Like it feels like a really big, big moment in the story. And then there's like all these mad... This is me fangirling, by the way. I'm sorry, but that's what's happening. (laughs) There's all these mad dance scenes in this and like... Bloody hell! The people in this drama, most of the people in this drama, all the boys in this drama are like bonkers good dancers. Like it is crazy. Um, and I, I love a good kind of dancey thing. Not that I can do a dancey thing. <laughs> I mean, I love watching a cool dancey thing. It's like super impressive. It was really fun. I think some of the stuff I really liked was like seeing all the the different you know bands in the drama, the kind of fake bands. Um practicing in their practice rooms, and just like the routines are crazy. it was really, really fun. Fangirling going over, moving on if I can. So the female lead is played by an actress called Jong ji so. Uh, I have not seen her before, although I had a look at her casting list. And I was like, oh, she's a rookie. She's new. This must be her first drama. She has been around for a very, very long time. Like, I think some of, you know, I was looking back, she's been in heaps of dramas I've seen in obviously very small side roles, like all the way back to like 2013 and stuff like that. So I feel like she's, yeah, it's so strange to kind of see her and be like, what a fresh face. She's so new. And no, she's obviously been trying to break into the industry for a very long time. But um, as far as I can see, this seems to be her first lead role. Um, And I'll talk about her and her character a little bit when I'm talking about the story. But I feel like it did take me, I think, two episodes to kind of warm up to this actress, I think. But I also feel like this was not her fault. Like, they put her in a really fucking weird wig. It was really weird and I didn't like it. And every time she was on screen, I was like, there's a woman in a weird wig and I don't understand why she's wearing a wig like this is this is a contemporary drama. This isn't like historical man hair kind of thing where they have to have, you know, historical man hair like this is a modern woman. She can have any fucking hairstyle that she possibly could even want to have and what she has is a weird wig so odd so I feel like eventually when I calmed down and got over the fact that she had something on her head that I didn't feel should have been there um I feel like this actress's charms kind of came through for me and I ended up really liking her a lot um she has incredible eyes like she's very beautiful so second female lead is played by an actress called Park Dion and she is uh she's I guess she's an actress, but she's a K-pop lady, woman. And that did not surprise me because, again, charisma. She looks like someone and acts like someone who could stand on a stage and do her thing. Um, She was good. I kind of, the thing I guess I liked about this character is you almost think she's there to be a bitchy second female lead, and that's definitely not where that character went, and I really appreciated that. Um, But at the same time, she doesn't really have a huge role or impact on, you know, the main plot. I feel like there's actually so many people in this that realistically for a short drama, not everyone can get a lot of time on screen or a lot of kind of storyline or depth. Um, So I think, you know, I thought she was really good and I really liked her, but I don't know if they did a lot with her. So the second male lead, again, sort of present at the start of the drama. And then by the end of the drama, I feel like the writers were like, what do we even do with this dude? Like, just sort of went off and did something else. Uh, But he is a a K-pop guy called Yoonho. And again, very likable, very nice. But I do feel like kind of underused, I want to say. So then, there's like a zillion other people in this drama. So there's a fictional band called Shacks, and Shacks is like the main, biggest K-pop band in this world of this drama. Um, and our lead character Quan Rock is sort of like their lead dude or whatever. So Shaxx has like a million pretty boys in it who can all dance and sing, and most of which in real life are idols, although not all of them. Um, And I think out of these dudes, like um, two of them particularly get a lot of screen time. One has red hair and one has blue hair. Uh, The red one is Jongho and the blue one is Yuri. Um, That's their real names, Um, I think, yes. And Jongho is, again, he is a K-pop dude. And the other guy, Yuri, is not. I think this is the first thing that he's done. And I was really surprised. I thought they must have both been kind of big, mega famous K-pop people. Um, I really liked them. They had, they're kind of side characters. They're sort of like emotional support and friends for the main lead, you know, the male lead character, Quan Rock. Um, But these two kind of like, you know, comedy side joy. they had just great banter and chemistry and were very fun. I thought they were really cute. Um, So I really liked them. And then the other kind of um, characters that I'll talk about, uh, the female lead is part of a little kind of three-girl band, I suppose. Um, and so the other parts of that pointy triangle, <laughs> I figure you guys know what I'm trying to say. Uh, one is a character called Hyunji, who is played by an actress called Lim Nayong. Uh So she's very new to K-drama land, um, but I did recognize her because I saw her very recently as the younger version of a character in Flower of Evil with Ijunki and Moon Tae Won recently. Um and yeah, she's just sort of in that a little bit in flashbacks, but I liked her in that and I liked her in this. And also the other part of this little band, um the band's called Tea Party, so that's a female leads little band, um, is played by someone called Minso, I think. Um And she, in real life, I think this is, like, a very new project for her, and I think she was on maybe one of those, um, you know, those idol kind of variety competition shows where they're trying to get through to be idols, I guess. So I think she was kind of like a finalist on one of those. So there's, like, a lot of other people as well, um, and some of them from, I think, quite a famous K-pop group called ATEEZ, and... I don't know. Everyone was really likable. Um, there's a couple of managers and stuff in there. And there's just a lot, though. Like, there's a lot of characters for such a teeny weeny little drama. So there's a lot of faces that are just sort of, I don't know, hopping around in the background um, while we focus on the main characters. All right. So just before I get on and tell you guys a little bit about the story, I guess, uh, should you watch Imitation? Uh, it's really funny for me because, because I It's not perfect at all. I feel like it really, for me, kind of dropped the ball towards the end in a way that I kind of felt a bit disappointed about because I was so obsessed at the start in an insane way. But even saying that, and I did go in with really low expectations. So part of me is like, did I just like love this more than I normally would because I really didn't have any sort of hopes for it to be anything. And it really surprised me. And also I discovered this lead actor, Lee Yong. Um, like I was pretty taken by these things. So maybe that's why I was so obsessed and loved it so much. So maybe someone else would have a very different reaction to this K-drama imitation. But still, I say that, yes, I think it's worth your time. I think it has... I don't know, it has a good aesthetic and feel to it. I if you love like if you enjoy watching kind of youth dramas with people, you know, struggling for their dreams and all that, you know, romance, all that kind of youth sort of focused stuff, then I think this is a really good one. Um and obviously, if you like music dramas, then watch it. Um I weirdly really really enjoyed it to the point where even though the ending wasn't perfect, I still have such warm feelings towards this show. So I definitely definitely think that it is worth your time, if any of that sounded at all appealing. Okay, so I'm going to talk about a little bit about the story setup of imitation, but I probably won't go into too much depth, I think. Um, There's kind of a lot going on, but also sort of not just people following their dreams and dancing and singing and falling in love and all that stuff. But weirdly enough, I just read like a little synopsis on the site that I use to just, you know, tell me who's in it and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, I just read through the synopsis and I'm like, I literally don't remember anything like this happening in the drama. So yeah, I don't know what's going on there. I guess I'll do my best. Um, so the drama opens uh, with a really cool kind of scene for me. I really enjoyed it. Um, it's kind of like a flash forward, I suppose, or a flashback or so I actually can't remember, whatever. <laughs> so there's this like mad big concert happening in Seoul and it's obviously a huge deal. And I think it's like this special, like it's obviously like a group thing. So there's all different sort of famous K-pop bands and solos and stuff like that all on on this particular night. And it's a really big deal in that world. Um, And it's also the comeback for this band called Shacks. And I don't know how many albums they've had, but they've obviously been behind, like, you know, between albums and this is their big comeback night. And this is a really, really big deal. Like one of those kind of like make it or break it. Like we've got to do well if we want to sort of, I think, elevate from just being maybe middling success to trying to actually make it properly, I think is the idea. So this band has consisted of like a million boys. So I'm not going to go through them all, but, uh, um, we have the, the blue one, Dojin and the red one, Hyok, who I really liked. And then some other boys and also our lead character, um, Kwon Rok, who is played by the very, very lovely (laughs) Lee Jun Young. Um, and, so they're all, we kind of like catch up with them and they're all in these dressing rooms and they're all like, you know, eyelined, eyelinered. Um, lots of eyeliner, lots of leather and black and just different stuff. And frankly, they look pretty cool. That's what I thought. And then they have this scene where they're sort of like all walking together down this hallway, like in slow motion. and they have this, I thought really cool music. And it's kind of, I don't know what it is. I was going to try and do some sort of sound, but it wouldn't have worked. It would have sounded really bad, but it actually was like really cool. And throughout the drama, every now and then they have all these boys like walking slow-mo and they have this cool music. And I was like, this is like weirdly cool. Like I actually think this is cool and not cheesy. (laughs) So that was really fun. Um, but basically we see that there is one of the dudes in the band who is sort of, he's the lead guy. and his name, the character's name is Unjo, and he played by an actor called Kang Chan Hee, who I have seen very recently in True Beauty as the 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 dead best friend of the two main boys that are fighting in that drama. If that made any sense at all. Um, so Unjo, they're all kind of like literally walking onto the stage, and they do like I don't know whatever a cool thing is that boys do before they're going on to dance, and they're all like, you know do well, but in a cool way. Like, I don't know, did they handshake? They did some sort of a thing. And then they're all just like very coolly in their slow-mo with the cool music and then like all walk to, you know, the places that they have to be at to get ready to do this big show. And then um, I think uh, Quan Rock, our main character, is like, I think he's like hanging out underneath the stage and then suddenly he starts realizing that like the people who are, um, you know, the stagehands and stuff are kind of freaking out, like something is wrong, but he doesn't know what it is. And he, he hears people like kind of calling for Unjo, who's their band leader dude, like the main guy. Um, and then suddenly their manager turns up. So just as a slight aside, the manager is played by an actor called Danny Ahn, and his character's name is Ji So I oh, like, I liked, he's a good character. Like he's kind of on a redemption path and he's really nice. And he's like the best, not at this point in the drama, but when we catch up with him later in the drama, he's like the best manager ever. But I I think that this actor, <laughs> he sort of has serial killer eyes. And so sometimes he'd be like looking at, you know, his little band, because um, he takes over as the uh, manager of the the main girl band in the drama. And he'll be like staring at them. And I think it's meant to be like, you know love and affection and fondness and he's just so great and they're great and everything's wonderful and I'm like oh is he going to kill them like <laughs> I don't know what was going on um maybe that was just me but mm, sometimes I felt like it was veering into a different drama when he was on screen but anyway I mean, he's very nice looking I don't know why it's just the eyes something there but anyway um so at this point in the drama ji Hawk is actually the manager of Shacks and he is pretty hardcore and yeah, just pretty full on. So he kind of comes under the stage and he completely, like, just sort of manhandles Kwan Rock, who's sort of freaking out at this point. And he grabs him and he drags him up to the very top of the stage. And um, Unjo, the leader of the band, was meant to sort of be lowered down onto the stage and their big special comeback. And suddenly, Ji the manager, is kind of like, Unjo has disappeared. No one knows where this guy is, but you are now the lead. And if you don't do it, you know, your whole comeback's going to fail. Think about all the work that all these millions of boys in this band have been doing. They've been practicing so hard. Like, are you going to let them down? So I don't know, it was a really, it's like a really cool scene, I think. And, you know, you can hear the crowd chanting and there's all these like mad, like red lights and sort of the way it looks, I think is really cool. The way that Lee Young looks is also really cool. (laughs) Um, But it's also, you feel the pressure of this moment. And I think that's something that I really enjoyed about this drama is I feel like it does, particularly for the first half, really delve into what it might actually feel like to be one of, you know, these kind of K-pop idols or a celebrity in general, maybe like the pressure and the responsibility, but also the restrictions on your life. It's it was really fascinating to me when it was sort of exploring these kind of darker themes. So this is kind of like, we get the taste of Kwon kind of standing there and his entire future and the entire future of his entire, you know, his million boy bandmates is in his hands. Like, obviously, you know that the choreography is going to be different. He suddenly has to be the front man and he wasn't and everything's changed. But it's like this moment of like, he's freaking out, but then he's going to do this because he has to do this. And I I liked it. I thought it was just this really kind of strong opening. It was good fun. Um, And then of course there's this mystery. So Unjo has disappeared, but he's left his phone behind. And then we kind of cut away. Um, So we don't actually see the performance, but we see there's this woman and she's on like a bridge over the Han River and she's crying. She's a young woman crying and crying and then we don't see that you know then it's kind of like it pans away and when we come back to the bridge there's no one there so you kind of know what's happened something weird has happened with unjo and this woman and this woman has clearly jumped um so pretty pretty full on um so then i think it actually skips backwards which is all very confusing um yes it does but basically we find out that the female lead um so this is the actress jung ji so playing a character called maha who is wearing a fucking wig on her head other than that she's great <laughs> very pretty eyes um so maha at this point we kind of flash back and i think it kind of flashes back to when she's a high school student but we kind of realize that you know she's a trainee, like an idol trainee, she's kind of joined a company that's sort of like a mid-level and this is something that I didn't know either, like I had no idea. Um, kind of makes sense when I think about it, but you know, you have these really big sort of companies where they have a lot of money and have all these flash um, kind of, uh, dance studios and practice rooms. And they have like maybe, you know, 40 million trainees who are going there and working hard every single day and hoping, hoping, hoping that they're going to make the cut and get selected to be part of some sort of new group that the company might put together and debut. And like the chances of them making it through, are. Slim, And then you have like middling companies, which Maha is in, which again, it's, you know, it's smaller, there's less opportunity, even if they do debut, there's slightly less likely that they, you know, that they don't have that kind of money and marketing machine behind them to be a sure success. But she's working really hard there. Um, And we kind of see this meeting, you know, between the execs at this company and they're kind of going through looking at the photos and they're going to put together a boy band. And so they put together this band called Sparkling, which has the second male lead in it, who when we catch up with him, he's a trainee with our female lead, Maha. And so this is Yujin. Um, So Yujin is obviously like, as far as Maha knows, they're just really close friends. They're good mates. But Yujin is obviously like crushing on Maha to a very strong level at this point. Um, So, you know, he's made the cut. He gets to debut with this band called Sparkling. Um, They wear a lot of pastels and dance around with little like sailor, sailor things, sailor salutes. That's the one I was looking for. It's all very cute. (laughs) Um, But Maha, we kind of see them, you know, someone kind of suggests her at this exec meeting is kind of like, what about her? And the other one's just like, you don't know, how would her image fit? Like her height or this or that, or she's just not right. Like she's a good dancer, but can she do this? She doesn't have the right look. And it's so, it's so clinical. Like this is a business, this is a money-making machine. And you can see that you don't make it as an exec in a, in a place like this, unless you can look at these people as products and make decisions around who is marketable and who is going to be the correct person that is going to be able to slide into the brand of whatever the band that you are creating like it's very it's very cold and calculating and it's so fascinating to see I guess that and then you know the flip side of that is we see Maha and you know her good mate Eugene sitting on the floor in the practice room and talking about this life of being, you know, a pop star, a K-pop star as it's their dreams. And it's not just a dream, it's their blood, sweat and tears. Like the amount of work that they've put into this is insane. So um, Maha just kind of gets, you know, she doesn't know it, but at this exec meeting, there's no way she's going to debut. They're uninterested. But then they get a call from this other company that's like really kind of very small. So they have, you know, a crappy sort of rat infested practice room and kind of a mean, really mean CEO. And it's just like, it's a shithole, basically. So again, interesting. I was like, wow, I didn't, did places like that exist? Maybe they do um and they have a three part girl band called i think omega 3 or something and one of the girls has we see you know we see that she's unwell we see her faint um we kind of get introduced to them and She's also the girl that we saw crying on the bridge um, in the opening scene of the drama. And we see her kind of say something very kind of intense and vicious about the CEO. So you're like, oh, something bad is going on that clearly the other two girls in this band, do, they're not aware of. Um, so they're all trying to dance and learn this routine. And then suddenly this this one woman doesn't come back. And we hear that she's in hospital and then no one hears anything anymore from her. So this little shitty company is like, oh, we need another, you know, woman to put in our little woman band of three people. Um, so, of course, the other two band members is um, Hyunji, played by the actress uh, Lim Nayong, and also Ria, played by uh, the actress or K-pop person Min Seo. I don't know how to pronounce her name. Um, and so Maha kind of gets taken aside at her kind of slightly bigger... Um, you know, idol agency and says, she's kind of told like, you're not, you're not going to make it here. Like you can stay here and you know, it's not, it's not going to work or you can take this opportunity. Yes. Um, this band has, you know, this, this band is about to actually debut in a few weeks, but they're from a company that has, you know, no money to kind of market them. And the chances of success with the band are smaller, but for Maha, it's like, you know, what kind of choice even is there? You know, she she needs she needs something to happen. So she agrees to go, but it's obviously very disappointing. She's worked really hard. Um, so you do feel a lot for her straight away, I think. And she turns up at this like rehearsal in this shithole kind of agency where the other two girls are, and she I don't know, it was really nice because at first you think you kind of think the two girls are going to, you know, the other two girls in the group might be really pissy at Maha because she's replacing their friend or there might be some sort of weird rivalry. And I feel like within five minutes, um, they just sort of, I don't know, they all find this common ground. I really liked it. And the common ground is, we want this to work. Like we want this dream to be made a reality and we need each other to do it. So they're all on the same page and they all want the same thing. And therefore like their bond is just instant, instantaneous. Yeah, that's the word. <laughs> just immediate. And it's really, I really, on the most, most part, I loved the friendship between these girls. I, I just liked this idea of them having this common goal and dealing with the ups and downs of it. I do feel like there was some dumb stuff around the romance where everyone got shitty at Maha because she was falling in love. And I was like, dude, that's so mean. She can't help it. Like, I didn't like that shit. But um, I do, I did really like their friendship um, between the three girls nonetheless. Even so um and so you know maha joins this little group they're called omega-3 and they get ready for this um i think it then it flashes forward like what multiple years i think no it doesn't they get ready. No, sorry, I forgot. So they get ready for this debut and the debut's happening in a few weeks. Um, and meanwhile, we kind of hear that Shaq's at this big, you know, their big comeback, even though Unjo isn't there and the press are kind of like, where is he? Like, where's he gone? But he didn't debut with them. So everyone thinks he's just not part of it anymore. And they've gone on to become mega big. And that's obviously their starting point was this performance where Quanrock rock took over the lead kind of role in the band and they've just gone massive. So there's this other performance coming up, which is going to be the debut for this Omega Three with Maha, um, and they have this like really weird but also quite cute little dance routine and song that they're gonna do. And they go there and they're getting ready on stage. I think they're doing the sound check or something, or they're just about to start. Oh, I think it's all like a recording. They're literally about to start, and suddenly they get taken off because a body has been found in the Han River, and the girl who has been identified as this dead woman has been tracked back to being a member of their band. And the press around that is so negative that obviously this music production show is like, get them off our show. Like there was no way we're putting them on live TV. This is a scandal. This is a problem. We don't want anything to do even with that agency. Like this is dark shit. So the girls all come off stage and they're so shocked. And at first they're like, you know, they're crying because this is their dreams being crushed. And then they're crying because they realize that this girl who is part of their group has actually killed herself, which is super dark and sad. And again, I don't love how all this stuff rears its head again towards the end of the drama. But I think at the start, I think it's handled in a way that you actually, you feel it. Like you feel, I guess you feel the raw emotions of the dreams of all these young people and you might not have got to know that particular character who died, um, who you know who jumped off the bridge you don 't know her, but you feel like you know enough about the surrounding characters in this situation that they 're in in this high pressure environment, and just the horror of not making it of not reaching that potential that i don 't know you feel so much empathy, I think for everyone in you know all the characters that you 're introduced to in these different bands that I feel like it 's really easy to oh, just really feel the emotions of this young woman's death, you know, um, it's I've, I found it really powerful and really well done, even though. Yeah. And, you know, the girls in the band, I guess, Amiga 3, like this is it. It's like double whammy. This terrible thing has happened and their dreams are over and they shouldn't even think about them because that's, you know, not even who even cares about that stuff in the light of what has happened. Um, so it's super, super dark. Um, so I think that what happens after that is we actually flash forward like something like three years in the drama, and by this point, Shacks is like the biggest band ever, and Quanrock is huge so he is like um kind of I guess started being in movies and stuff like that and he's winning you know every award ever and everyone loves him and he's the best dude in the whole world and also the prettiest dude in the whole world (laughs) um and you know he's just massive and then we've got on the flip side to that we see Maha who is struggling like so her and the other two girls are still part of this like agency. They haven't debuted or they sort of have, but not really. And they're just doing like, oh, like Maha's just doing these little shitty sort of impersonation gigs. So there's this famous singer um, played by the second female lead, um, Park ji uh, a character called Rima. And so Maha, our main character, just impersonates Rima for some reason. Like the whole drama is called imitation. So you feel like this is like really big and important, but it just sort of I mean eventually it just sort of fizzles out. It's not a big deal. So whatever. Don't worry about it. But anyway, she's just like has a shitty life basically. And she's still holding on to these showbiz sort of dreams, but she's having to do things that are, you know, a little bit humiliating, like putting on a mad wigs and, you know, just dancing for like three people at some weird place where no one even wants to listen to her. And she's very enthusiastic and she's trying. But the three of these girls get to a point where they realize it's over, their dreams are over, they're not going to make it. And it is, I really liked all this stuff and their discussions. And you know, they're like, oh, we guess we have to go back and study and start again. And maybe we could, you know, think about different avenues for our life and our work and what we could do. And it's crushing. I don't know, like, I feel like it really hit home with me. Um, And I found it incredibly moving. I feel like I certainly went through experiences, like, I guess some ways sort of similar. I didn't want to be a K-pop idol, but I did study music for a long time. And, you know, it didn't go anywhere. And I didn't really, you know, I didn't try hard like these girls did. But there is this, and I'm sure everyone's experienced it in some way, you know, that those growing pains of, you know, when you're a kid and everyone's like, you can be anything you want to be. You want to be an astronaut or a ballerina or like whatever the fuck. And then you get older and you're like, fuck, like, you know, my options are getting slimmer. And you might have a dream and you might have had the same dream forever. And particularly if that dream is, you know, a difficult one, like a creative dream, which, you know, there's no sure thing in that sort of avenue or any other kind of dream. Like there's always disappointments along the way. And sometimes the things that you want to do aren't things that you can do. And I guess that is literally part of growing up and becoming an adult. Um, and I, I don't know, I found the whole discussion around it really interesting. I really enjoyed it. I kind of liked it because I feel like, so this is just an aside, but, uh, there was that other drama that I watched recently from 2021 called, so I married the anti-fan. And in that there's a trainee, she's the second female lead. Um, Bunkers character, <laughs> but she's obsessed with, you know, debuting and making it. But the whole thing around her that it, I found that character so unlikable is she wants to debut. She wants to be famous. She just keeps sort of, she wants to be loved. She wants to be famous. And it felt really different in this drama imitation around these three girls and their dreams. It felt like it felt more, I think, real or true to life that if you are someone who's ever been a performer or been on stage, there's like, there's this feeling of, I don't even know if I can explain it. Like you feel like kind of on a high, like it's just such an incredible experience. And it's not about people loving you or being famous. Like I'm actually, you know, I'm super anxious about (laughs) like any sort of exposure, but it's different. Like singing on a stage, there's something about that feeling that, you know, it makes sense to me that these girls would chase this dream to the ends of the earth. And it felt crushing to watch them bravely face the fact that it wasn't going to happen for them. But of course, because this is a K-drama, last minute, uh, this dude, Jihak, who is, you know, the old manager of Shack's, uh, swoops in and signs all three of them to his new label. So he's a startup manager. He basically runs a cafe and he just runs this little idol group out of his cafe. I mean, he stares at them with his serial killer eyes for some reason. <laughs> I feel maybe that was just me. I don't know. Um, but, you know, it's all... Uh, and he's, you know, he's really good. He gives them money. He actually, like, he's trying to, his whole thing, I suppose, is that he fucked up at Shaq's and he he did the business cold calculating thing. He did the right thing via that company and, you know, I guess making money, but he didn't do the right thing by himself and he didn't do the right thing by those boys. He feels like he failed them and he didn't help them. And Unjo, particularly the old leader of Shaq's, he didn't Help that poor boy who has now disappeared off the face of the earth. And obviously, Ji Hak is a little bit more aware of maybe Unjo's ties to this young woman who has jumped in the river. And so, this whole terrible thing that's happened has also shattered his kind of maybe belief in operating, you know, people like they're just commodities and not people. So his whole thing is that he wants to create an idol group, this three girl kind of little band. Um, But he wants to do it ethically, basically, Um, and he wants to do it in a way that makes them happy and gives them a choice in what they do. Uh, So, yeah. And then all sorts of crazy stuff happens. Um, I can't remember if it's before or after, but you know, now they've been, this little girl group has been renamed Tea Party and they're all starting to like go off and do things, I guess. Probably, maybe, something like that. (laughs) And Maha, I can't remember if it's earlier at this point, but she's got like a little bit sort of role um, as a gisang in a historical movie that of course is starring Quan Rock who bloody hell they put some facial hair on this man and suddenly he is not the most handsome man in the world anymore I was like wow that really that really makes a difference when you put a big stringy fake beard on on a man who was previously the prettiest man in the whole world like whoa. But anyway, that's an aside. Um, So, of course, they get thrown together and then little by little as they keep sort of coming across each other and eventually she makes him, like, crack a smile, which is amazing because you never see him smile at all. But you also realise that they have a past, they did know each other. Like it's a very tentative sort of thing between them in the past, but you can tell that there was something there and it just never eventuated it. It never became anything that it could have been. Um, And I liked that because I don't know, it felt good that they had this sort of past experience of each other, particularly I think before Quan Rock becomes famous, because otherwise, oh, I don't know, like she's such a newbie and he's so mega famous that I feel like the dynamic there could have just been a little bit skewed or a little bit difficult, like, you know for her to act normally around him I suppose or be herself for him to really get to know who she is because how could she you know he's so famous you'd just be so fucking anxious or maybe that's just me I don't know so I quite liked this kind of old connection between them um and then there's lots of singing and dancing and lots of ups and downs and lots of romantic entanglements and you know uh Rock and Maha slowly fall in love and also you know Maha is also juggling her band debuting and them slowly becoming more famous and all the extra pressures and stresses and you know joys that that brings as well so that's basically the absolute setup and doesn't go into practically anything of what the actual drama is once it gets started Um, but that's probably heaps and now i'm going to talk about the stuff that i loved So I did say that when I told you guys about the story, I wasn't going to go into depth, but I talked for a really long time (laughs) and that's just what I do. (laughs) All right. So stuff that I loved, I fucking adored the first half or maybe the first three quarters of this show. Like I was obsessed. I think it must've been about the first like eight, eight episodes or nine episodes. Like I was crazy obsessed Um, and I do feel like probably a lot of that had to do with the addictiveness of you know that building romance the building tension in the romance like it's such a forbidden thing as well like they can't really make it public they can't let anyone know they're barely sort of like on top of how they're feeling as well as trying to hide it from everyone like it's just it's really well done. It's quite slow burn as well, which I really, I always really enjoy that. I feel like that really ramps up the tension. So by the time, you know, they kiss or whatever, you're like, whoa, yay. So I loved that. But then I feel that they get together, spoilers, (laughs) and then, you know, they have to break up. And then they sort of get back together again. And then, you know, the drama's just kind of doing its thing at the end there. And I was kind of like, oh, like, I feel like some of the tension goes. Like, I quite liked it when they first got together. It's not like the tension was just sucked out immediately just because they kissed or they were together or anything. I still really liked it. But I feel like when they break up, that's the point where oh, it's sort of going around because, you know, immediately they get back together again really quickly. And I was like, why did that even happen? But anyway, um, so yeah, I really loved, it must've been the first eight or nine episodes. So something else I really loved was, um, like I said in the story, you know, I was talking about the story, about these darker aspects of it. I felt like this show, like, it is, it's got this lightness to it. It's got heaps of jokey kind of stuff. It's got banter. It's got all this cute stuff, really cute romance, sweet. Like, there's so much in it that is fun, but there's this, like, kind of seamier sort of underbelly to it as well. And I think it feels like there's, like... Deeper and darker emotions to the story that do get touched on and explored. And I super appreciated just that whole vibe, I think. Maybe that vibe of light and dark, but kind of being willing to go a bit darker with the explorations around you know, maybe the frustrations that some of the characters are feeling because of fame or, you know, the way that Maha is feeling about the fact that she's been chasing this dream for years and has got nowhere. You know, it's just grinding her down and all those ideas of being young and having to give up on things. Like, it's I really, really enjoyed all that stuff. And I also think that for me personally, I loved the dark opening. It was really like very hooky for me to have this kind of missing band leader and this, this, you know, this poor girl who has died. That is a representation of what happens to some of these young people when they go into the system. Like it's very, very scary. And I like that the drama kind of went there and did that um something else I loved was <laughs> I've written the music when the boys all walk together in slow-mo <laughs> so it happened quite a few times in the drama and every time I was like oh, it's just so cool and <laughs> it should have been so cheesy it should have made me like vomit a little bit with its cheesiness or like ooh, shiver but I was like this is really cool I really love it they look really fucking great and it's awesome <laughs> I don't know it's the music it was really cool uh, so the next thing on my list is Conrock or the actor Itunyong, but seriously, the character I think very much to my taste. You know, like I said, very cranky, very non-smiley, very taciturn. And then the kind of I guess progression of seeing a man like that thawing out and turning into someone very, very different. I loved it. It was so satisfying and so much fun. Um, But you really do feel like he changes as well, which I really, really appreciated um, because of, you know, just falling in love and allowing himself to fall in love. And I really, really liked that. There's this um, one particular scene that was so good. And it's kind of like, you know, they first sort of keep coming across each other and every time they're near each other, it just makes him feel feelings that I think he's you know, he's a very serious dude. Like he's extremely, like he's a perfectionist. He makes everyone in the band, you know, do their dance routines or whatever over like way too many times more than what they can handle. Like he's a real taskmaster, but it's also why I guess Shaxx is so good. They're so famous. They don't have any scandals. They do so well. Um, And then I guess it's this kind of control that he's got over his life and his emotions, you know, that he doesn't want anything other than what he's got but once he meets Maha it's like opening up something different and I think at this point in his life you know he's worked so hard to get all this fame and fortune and adoring fans and now he's got it there's kind of this thing of like well, what now? You know, like, do you just live that way for the rest of your life? Like not being allowed to date or fall in love or walk to the shop by yourself or getting told what you can and can't do by your manager, by your, you know, your company owner, by your actual fans, like having to apologize to your fans when you do something that they perceive is wrong. Like, it's so suffocating is what I felt. And I felt like he was You know, he wasn't not going to do it, but there was this part of him that seems to be kind of very jaded and suffocating because of this situation. And he's just throwing himself into work. And then meeting Maha is like what else is there to life? You know, maybe there is something else that he can be and do and feel. And I really liked seeing that. Um, but there's one particular scene that I really, really love is, you know, at first it's kind of, they keep meeting and, you know, he's feeling stuff, but he's obviously not, you know, fully allowing himself to kind of go there. Maybe like he is with his heart, but maybe not so much with his mind sort of Acknowledging the fact that this is actually happening. And then there's a point where he kind of, she's kind of trying to push him away because she's at a point in her career, Maha is with her little tea party, co tea party people, whatever, um, where, you know, they're on the cusp of getting somewhere and a scandal, as in her being linked to Kwon Yok, is going to, you know, sadly, really stupidly, but probably true, lead to a lot of hate towards Maha. Like she's on the verge of getting hated by every Kwon Rock fan in the whole of Korea, I suppose. Um, so it's very, very dangerous situation for her so she's a lot more kind of trying to push him away a little bit um but there's this point where Quanrock sort of decides like no this is this is it I like her this is what's happening and he like I think he steals his manager's car and he drives to wherever he thinks she lives but he doesn't really know he just has an address and he finds these like mad zillion steps and he sees her like kind of walking up the very top And he runs up the whole steps. And then he gets there and, like, she turns around and stares at him. And, of course, this is the hook at the end of the episode. But he's just staring at her in that way that he does the whole drama, which is, you know, very pretty, very cranky, like, you know, very kind of scowly sort of expression. And then suddenly it's like, it was so good. It's like he doesn't even want to laugh. He doesn't want to smile, but he cannot help it. This is the way that this girl makes him feel. And it kind of just bubbles up, this kind of, like, I don't know, like huffy sort of smile thing. And it is the most fucking charming thing (laughs) I swear I have ever seen. But that's also the power of having a character that never smiles when they do like, whoa, that makes you feel something. And it also represents something in the change of that character that he would, you know, there's no sort of, um, you know, self-consciousness about it. It's just how he feels and there it is on his face. And that is a big deal for for that character. So I loved it. And it's also just like fucking charming. It's such a good scene. It was so romantic and beautiful. Also, his face was really fucking beautiful. What else do I have on my list? Uh, The romance, but clearly I've already been talking about that. But yeah, I just felt it's very sweet, but also there's a lot of tension to it. It's very slow moving. Um, And I think particularly what's interesting is that clash of the fact that these two people are at very different points in their life, and that does lead to, I think, conflict in the fact that it is not convenient for them to fall in love, but they are falling in love, and what are they going to do about it? And of course, that clash, you know, them being at these different stages is, you know, he's so far advanced from her in terms of his fame and his stardom. But at the same time, it means that he has achieved all the things he wanted. And now he's realizing that there's a little bit of hollowness there, and he needs something else. And Maha is there, kind of, you know, without maybe her realizing it, offering him this other pathway to being happy, to actually being happy. But for her you know, this is, it's so dangerous. She's just on the cusp of getting the things she wants. And all she can think about is the dream that she's had for so many years of her life that if she gives in and falls in love, all that could be taken away. And then of course, there's all the kind of stuff around responsibility to the other band members. Like, you know, don't fuck it up for them basically is the problem. So I loved it. Um, I just liked, I liked him being so, kind of jaded and exhausted by it. And on the flip side, her being so fresh and new and determined, and it was kind of a fun sort of clash, I think. Um, so I also really liked the three girls in Tea Party. So of course, that's our lead, Maha and the other two girls, uh, Ria and Hyunji. They all have kind of their own storylines, but not huge amount of space for it because it is such a little drama. Um, but I liked their friendship. I liked all their ups and downs and just them supporting each other. I absolutely hated the fight that they had um, in that Hyunji just gets super pissy at Maha because Maha's fallen in love with Kwonrok and, you know, Hyunji sort of finds out about it and gets real upset. And at first you think, oh, she's upset because, you know, they're best friends and Maha didn't tell her this big thing that had happened to her. But then it's kind of like Hyunji's really pissy at Maha because, you know, their career is on mistake, I guess. Like, you know, this could badly negatively affect them. And I'm like, well, that's true, but you're kind of by by kind of forcing Maha to give up on someone she loved, like, she they forced her to just not like oh, she can't change the way she feels. I just felt like it was such a such an intense thing to do to a friend to kind of say, I realize that you're in love with this man, but also don't do that because you're a bad person if you do. And I was like, whoa, that's no good. I just thought it was mean. And then the second that Maha like kind of tries to break up with Kwon Rock and kind of stop, you know, she like deletes his number or whatever, which he's having none of anyway, so it doesn't really make a difference. But she tries to push him away and she's really heartbroken over it. And the second she starts doing that, Hyunji's like clearly in love with the second male lead, Eugene, who's, you know, totally into Maha. And the second that Eugene starts showing interest in Hyunji, Hyunji, like no one ever tells Hyunji not to date someone. Like she's allowed to date someone. Why isn't Maha? I get that there's an impact on the band, but are these girls not friends? Like, come on, (laughs) support each other in your romances if they're, you know, good and healthy, which this one kind of was other than, you know, the crazy fans getting involved and being very scary. Um, so I've written that. I really loved the dancing. Um, I didn't love all the songs, um, uh, but I liked some of them. Um, I thought the Tea Party songs were all very cute. I really enjoyed, um, <laughs> Quan Rock's dancing. All the dancing was really great, but also was great to see him dancing. <laughs> oh, some of my favorite stuff was like all the practice room dancing, like everyone's wearing sweats and just sort of like jumping around, like insane. Very cool. Really liked it. Um, and then I've written, I really like the blue one and the red one. They had some good bickering and were very cute. So yes, that's all the stuff that I loved. It was quite a lot. And now I'll go into some of the stuff that I didn't love quite as much. Okay, so stuff that I didn't love quite as much about imitation. First up, Maha has fucking weird hair. Like, it starts, right? The drama opens and she's clearly wearing a wig. So it's like very buffy at the top, but really thin down the bottom because obviously underneath this wig, she has her own hair, which is short, which makes it really big at the top, but then real stringy at the bottom. And it just looks weird, like a weird wig. So then in the drama you know, she gives up her dreams of being an idol. And she's like, I'm gonna get my hair cut. So she gets a haircut. And suddenly she has short hair. And she's like, Oh, look at my short hair. And I'm like, Yes, this is great. Look at that short hair. It looks like real hair. And then the next scene, they get offered to be idols again. And she's like, Oh, I'm an idol again. And she turns up. And suddenly, with no explanation, no one mentions it. She's wearing the wig again. So does this mean that to be an idol, you have to have long hair? I don't know. But also, why did they have that scene where she chopped it off and then put it back on? It made zero sense to me and I hated it. Uh, also, another hair problem <laughs> that I had with this drama, I kind of mentioned before. So Kwon Rock, he's like, he's in a, a sagok, like a, you know, big historical sweeping sort of like swordsman movie that's clearly like a tragedy death kind of one and uh, Maha has like a little role in it and you know she has to kiss him and stuff in it of course because it's a drama and that's fantastic but Quan like, and, you know, when I first heard, it, I'm like, oh, okay, so this lead, this lead character, Quan Rock, is going to be in a historical drama. Anyone who listens to this podcast knows how I feel about historical dramas. And I was like, this actor, Lee Jun Yong, is going to have to, you know, look like a historical dude. And it's like a swordsman one. It's gonna be really cool and badass. And then he turns up on set and he's got stringy hair beard on. And he literally looks like a different person like, completely. Like, I wouldn't have recognized that it is the same actor. And I was like, wow, that really puts a dampener on my, like, most handsome man in the whole world theory. Like, it is no good. And then the first kiss scene, he has that on his face. And I was like, what's happening? Why is this happening? (laughs) I didn't like it. Luckily, it's not on there for too much. But it's truly amazing what a little bit of stringy beard that's fake and glued onto your face will do to like lower someone's good lookingness. <laughs> but it's fine. It was fine. Alright. Uh oh, I've just written. I did like the manager, but he had serial killer eyes, but I've already talked about that. Um so I didn't love the whole, you know, get together, break up, back together, all that kind of stuff, whatever. Um and Yeah, I just didn't love it as much as that kind of slow burn in the romance as they were getting together. And I would have just liked – I think I would have liked them to sort of weather the issues together more so than breaking up and I feel like I would have found that maybe more – just more interesting as a storyline, like, you know, they knew it was going to be hard when they got together. They knew this was kind of impossible odds. So what are they going to do about it? How are they going to manage this, even if they had to keep it secret? I think I would have enjoyed that more. Um, So the Sparkling boy, Sparkling you know, the second male lead is in Sparkling and there's some boys and they have a bit of a conflict, but there's a lot of boys in it. And I feel like that there's kind of too many for the drama to really have time to do anything with them. And I feel like in the end, they're sort of there, but also why are they? Because there's no screen time for them. And they sort of have a conflict with this one guy in Sparkling who's just a raging asshole all the time until they're going to kick him out of the band. And the other boys are like, no, give him another chance. And they give him another chance. And he's just like, suddenly really nice. And I was like, I don't like this guy. He's been an asshole. <laughs> so I don't know. I kind of felt like maybe they could have just had Shacks, and maybe the, the second melee could have been someone in Shacks or someone else. Or, you know, they just seemed like there was a lot for such a little drama. And it's not that I didn't like them. I liked the second male lead, I liked sparkling, it was all good, but it just felt like maybe a little bit too much, maybe, for me, anyway, I don't know. Um, So I've just written, I didn't really love or fully understand the ending. Um, The last episode is, yeah, so the last couple episodes are so focused on kind of the plot of Anjo and, you know, the manager Ji Hak and there's a journalist who's trying to look into it, and we're trying to find out, like, what happened to this girl, and it's not that I didn't want to know... But I feel like the drama almost ties too neat. Sort of I don't know how to even explain it, but they do this big sort of like this big song in tribute to her. And it I guess emotionally it didn't really work for me. And I felt like I don't know, like I guess it's supposed to feel sort of cathartic, but it didn't really work that way. Cause I suppose for me it is really sad what happens to this girl. It's awful what happens to her and Unjo. But at the same time, to me, she sort of represents maybe all the kind of people that have had those bad experiences. So like having this sort of cathartic ending for all the characters to sing this, you know, beautiful song about her. I don't know. It just didn't feel to me like it solves anything. Like this problem still exists. And it's not like I wanted the drama to solve it because I know that that's not how society works. But I don't know, I don't know what it was, but it just, I felt like the end was so focused on that stuff, but in a way that kind of, even though it was very sad, like it did make me sad to see that backstory. It also feels like, I don't know, just sort of a focus on that instead of on the characters that we've been on this journey with all this time. And somehow it just didn't quite gel right to me as as a big finale and as a big ending um and also you know there's a big show at the end and everyone's doing their dancing and singing and stuff and I just feel like this is going to sound kind of weird but I I, I've watched a lot of kind of like dance movies I love dance movies I can't dance but I love watching them and I feel like there's there must be clearly a way to shoot them or film dances to make them look fucking amazing like you don't just pull the camera back and look at the whole stage like you you do all like weird angles and you go close and you like you know you just make people look fucking fantastic and I feel like the big concert at the end is just kind of filmed in a slightly funny way that it kind of didn't feel as atmospheric I thought or you know the dancing even though it's clearly cool what they're doing their dancing looks amazing but it just wasn't filmed in a way that I felt fully highlighted how cool it could have looked, if that makes sense. I don't really know. I mean, I don't know anything about filming, so probably don't listen to me. Um, And yeah, what have I got? Oh, so the ending of the romance, like I feel like the romance is just sort of forgotten about towards the end because they're just dealing with all these other elements and that kind of bummed me out a bit because that's, you know, that's sort of the heart of the show for most of the show. And then at the very end, like it's very sweet, um, you know, our two leads kind of go up to, I don't know where they are, but, you know, one of those like places high up in Seoul, you know, kind of that Namsan kind of tower area, but probably somewhere else where you put like a little lock on the the wall and it's your couple lock or whatever. And they do this publicly and they, you know, are very visual about it in that people are clearly taking photos. It's going to be on the internet. They're going public with dating. It's very, very sweet. But at the same time, I was like, I thought this was a big problem. I thought you couldn't do this. Why can you do it now? Like, are you just gonna do it anyway and see what happens? And if that was the case, I wish they'd done it earlier so I could have seen what happened. Like, it just felt kind of strange. It felt like, you know, the fact that they had to break up and there was all this high pressure on their relationship. And then by the end, they're like, oh, well, like, doesn't matter. And I'm like, but... (laughs) if it didn't matter, what was the problem before? And if it did matter, why can't we watch what's going to happen instead of, you know, having to focus so much on everything else? But anyway, none of that really mattered, um, really at all. It just sort of, yeah, it just sort of petered out. But then when I'm thinking about it, it's only about two episodes or three episodes at the end that weren't, you know, as 100% thoroughly addictive as the rest of the show was for me yeah, that brings me to the end, I think, of my very long overstuffed chat about the K-drama from 2021, Imitation. That's only 12 episodes long. I I complained about it a lot, didn't I? But realistically, I fucking loved it. I mean, three quarters of it was solid as fuck for me. I loved it. And also, from watching it, I have discovered I Jun who I am a hundred percent gonna follow around <laughs> and watch all of the things that he does. He is great. He's the best. Wow! All right, <laughs> so I'm gonna go, uh, and and that's that's all I'm gonna say about imitation. And frankly, it's probably quite enough. <laughs> me to the very end of this week's episode of my K-drama waffly show. I really hope that you had a nice time listening to me talk about this K-drama. Um and hopefully you'll be back next week to listen to me talk about a Different gay drama as I do. A huge thank you to all listeners, but a very special thank you to all of those people who've decided to support the show on Patreon. You guys are the absolute best, and I really, really do appreciate it so very much. So thank you all very, very much. Alrighty, goodbye, everyone. I hope you have a lovely week. Until next week, bye.